So this afternoon, I want to start a multi-part series that we will focus on in these uh, Sunday afternoon meetings. And it's a subject that, well, in one sense, it's a contemporary subject because of things that have been taking place in the modern state of Israel in the past several weeks. That's all been in the news, of course. But also, it's a much older issue. It goes all the way back to the beginnings of the Christian church in the New Testament phase of the church's existence, at least. And uh, so the context of this, apart from the contemporary things going on, is Paul's letter to the church at Rome, Romans, especially chapters 9, 10, and 11. Because therein, Paul is wrestling with the subject of what about the Jews? Now that may seem like a fairly straightforward question, but there are a lot of complications even in Paul's day, but especially in ours. And that leads then to the question for us today, what about the modern state of Israel? What about Israel generally, uh, especially in light of the circumstances? So let's take a look here at Romans chapter 11. I'm just going to read a few selected verses to give you the flavor of why this is an issue and why it was an issue then, why it's an issue now. And then I want to make a few important caveats or uh, heads-up statements about the source of the material that I'm going to be sharing with you. First of all, beginning at verse 1 of Romans 11, Paul says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now notice what he says in Romans 11 verse 5, So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. Now he means a remnant within uh, what then existed as the Israelites or the Jews. So there's a contemporary application for this very clearly in what he says. All right, in verse 11, he says, So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And then here's another very important statement. So as to make Israel jealous. Like the statement about the present time, meaning Paul's time, and this statement about as making Israel jealous, that too had a very local contemporary application. Verse 12, now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order to somehow make my fellow Jews jealous. There it is again, and thus save some of them. And lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. Notice that, this mystery. He's talked about this before in previous chapter, this great mystery of how the Jews and the Gentiles, the Israelites and the non-Israelites, are brought together in one covenant. Uh, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. It is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion, he will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins or who has given a gift to him, that he might be repaid for him, and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
So then those words have been the source of a lot of confusion, mystery. What exactly is he talking about here? And now before I go any further, I just want to stipulate and make very, very clear that what I'm sharing with you is primarily the work of Reformed theologian and scholar James Jordan. Back in 1991, Jim Jordan wrote an essay in his Biblical Horizons newsletter called The Future of Israel Reexamined. And I think it's one of the best things that's ever been presented from a partial preterist standpoint, which is my perspective and, and also that of many of you here this afternoon. But even if you don't consider yourself a partial preterist, it's worth considering, worth, worth hearing. So I am relying heavily on what he wrote. I'll quote him directly in some places, but I want to give that caveat and that fair use acknowledgement up front that this is primarily the work of James Jordan in that article, The Future of Israel Reexamined. Now, for your information, I went to some length since he wrote this in 1991 to clarify that he still stands by what he's written here, and best I can determine through people who know him well, he does indeed stand by this. He even referred to it in a footnote in a commentary that was published on Matthew 24 and 25 and 26 by James Jordan, published in the year 2022. So, yes, this is his material. So, in light of what we just read, um, according to most expositors of Scripture, that chapter, Romans 11, predicts a future conversion to Christianity by a large mass of the Jews. Now, people who are premillennial and amillennial, they see this event as occurring during what they call the tribulations that will come just before the Lord's final advent. And there are some post-millennialists, which of course we all are, most of us, who see this conversion of the Jews en masse as an event that inaugurates the latter-day glory of Christ returning to a largely Christian world. Uh, John Murray, in his commentary on Romans, especially in this chapter, presents that sort of idea. However, <clears throat> As Dr. James Jordan points out, there are some of us in the partial preterist camp who on biblical grounds, and I tried to already emphasize that in my reading of the text, on biblical grounds, we reject that idea, or that interpretation of Romans 11. And let me just quote James Jordan directly. He says, in terms of this future conversion of the Jews as some far-off distant event like hundreds or thousands of years from now, he says, first of all, it's odd that Romans 11 is the only place in the New Testament where a future conversion of the Jews is predicted. He says, almost every book of the New Testament, not every book, but most of them, many of them, speaks of the then coming destruction of Jerusalem in what we know now as AD 70. And many speak of the Gospels going out to all the world and transforming it. And many also speak about the Lord's final advent at the end of the present age, but nowhere else is anything said about a future conversion of the Jews. Now, some of us who are partial preterists consider that Romans 11 predicts an event, and this is the crucial thing, we're not denying there's a prediction of a future conversion of the Jews, but that that event was future only to Paul and not future to us. Romans 11 predicts a conversion of many Jews to Christ just before the destruction of Israel in A.D. 70. Historically, uh, many in the Puritan tradition taught that the Jews in all nations of the world, though not every individual, would be converted to Christ. You'll find this uh, reflected in the Westminster Larger Catechism, question and answer 191 about the Lord's Prayer, what we pray for in the second petition, 
which is thy kingdom come. And partially it says, we pray that the dominion of Satan and sin will be destroyed. The kingdom of sin and Satan uh, will be turned aside. The gospel propagated throughout the world. The Jews called and the fullness of the Gentiles brought in. And that event will usher in a period of prosperity for Christendom, according to that view. Now, I and many of you here today believe that a post-millennial or optimistic view of the future, uh, of course, of Christian history, is taught in most pages of the Bible. We, we have the parables of the leaven, of the mustard seed, other parables predict uh, that the, the, the word of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. So, the evidence is clear that there will be a long period of gospel prosperity and advancement of the kingdom prior to the Lord's final return. All kinds of people will convert, and eventually this will include many Jews, just like it will include many Gentiles. And among us post-millennials, there have been varying opinions, and since we, what we see in the Bible is general progress over time, it may be that this progressive Christianization of the world will proceed along the same lines as it has, say, for the past 2,000 years or more, meaning a gradual building towards the latter-day glory. On the other hand, there may be some crisis that ushers in a golden age. But, and this is the crucial point again, if there is such a thing, it is doubtful that Romans 11 has anything to do with that. Now, let me just say quickly, a word here about the preterist perspective on these things. I think most of us here are aware of that perspective if we don't outright embrace it. Uh, and excluding those who have twisted the preterist perspective to an heretic and heretical and unorthodox view, what I advocate, what Dr. Gentry advocated when he was pastor here and still does and what many of us embrace, is that most of the predictions, not all of them, uh, concerned the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Most of the New Testament pr prophecy statements regarding Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Anything spoken of as near, at hand, soon to happen, the present age, those were fulfilled in the, that first century setting, as was anything connected with those special signs relating to that soon-to-happen event. And with James Jordan, I believe, based on Matthew 24 and 25, that there are no special signs of the final advent of the Lord's return. Without, uh, he, he comes without warning after a long period of time and a gradual progression of the Christian faith. And so, in my understanding of the book of Revelation, I think the focus is mostly about the destruction of Jerusalem, just like Matthew 24 and Mark 14. The temple and Jerusalem are related symbolically to the church, and so in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus promises to visit and inspect the churches, and each of those churches is connected with a specific city, and he threatens to eliminate those churches that have fallen away and also to bring judgment against their cities. And then in the stretch of chapters from Revelation 4 to 19, Jesus is talking about uh, this sort of thing by describing the destruction of the temple in the city of Jerusalem. And again, James Jordan points out that the coming of Christ to pass judgment on the old covenant and the old creation in A.D. 70 is symbolically or typologically related to his future coming to judge the new creation at the end of the age, of our age, of our time, or the, the, you know, as far as the world goes forward, not just within our lifetimes, of course. Now, that view then that most New Testament prophecy has been fulfilled in A.D. 70 
therefore doesn't make it irrelevant to us today. And I'm going to stop here, but let me just say that the next question that we have to deal with next time is the question of who were the Jews that Paul is referring to here in Romans 11. That's a big, big question. And then that leads to the next one that we'll take up, and that is, who are the Jews today? All right, I'm going to stop it here and just see if we have any questions.